Welcome back to another episode. This is episode five, I think. And today we have a very exciting guest. Her name is Claire Firth. And I think a lot of our guests are going to, or a lot of our listeners are going to find her inspirational because she did a midlife career change. And it's fascinating to hear about her experience, what led her to do it, what she's doing now, and how much she's enjoying. The, the how much she's enjoying the effect of her change. Mm. And it's a particularly inspirational story for me because it's my idea of the scariest thing you could possibly do. Exactly. So take a listen and we'll see you at the end. Today's gutsy voice is Claire. Welcome, Claire. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Hi. Good. Today, um, I'm excited about your story because... When I first learned about you, it took me by complete surprise. So hopefully we'll take our listeners a little bit by surprise today. Um, you're a zookeeper. I am. So, But that's not what you started out as. So, um, But let's start first by telling us a little bit about what's life like as a zookeeper. What, what does that job look like? I love it. I mean, I'm outside every day. I get to work with lots of lovely animals. I have a lovely team that I work with as well. Um, And it's just very different from the life that I had before. And yeah, I just love what I'm doing every day. Everyone hates me because I go to job work every day, (laughs) loving my job. (laughs) Well, and then let's talk. What what did you do before? Because you haven't always been a zookeeper. What was your job? What was your career before this? So um, since I've had children I was well before that actually I was a graphic designer so trained up got my degree in graphic design um, and yeah worked in graphic design agencies set up my own company from home so I was a freelancer for about 10-12 years while my kids were growing up um, and that all worked really well um, I loved doing print I did love what I do and what I did. Um, But you still kind of do it. Yeah, I do. I still do it a few (laughs) days a week now, just not as much. Print was dying out, though. There wasn't so much of it. Um, And then, yeah, that's basically how I got into zookeeping somewhere along the way. (laughs) Gotcha. And tell us, what's a typical day in the life of a zookeeper? What You go to work, and what does the day at work look like? So we go in, we start at eight in the morning, so we've got a couple of hours before the zoo actually opens, so we have to get the zoo looking lovely for the public, but we're also getting all the feeds ready for the animals, we have to make sure all the animals are alive and well, first thing in the morning, Um, there's lots of leaf blowing of the site, so we do maintenance things as well, it isn't just looking after the animals, it is looking after the whole zoo, Um, and that's it, some basic cleaning done before we open. Then everything opens at 10, public come in, and then we have to get on with our daily talks to the public. We do other cleaning and things that we need to do in the morning, have lunch. Then afternoon, we get a bit more free time to do sort of training, enrichment maybe with the animals. Um, and yeah, more, more public talks. Um, and then it's the end of the day, and then it's just tidying up and putting everything to bed. Everything goes in reverse, then at the end, putting everything to bed, everything goes away. And then that is it, really. So yeah, we're always busy. I mean, we don't stop throughout the day. It's crazy, but I'm outside in all weathers. 
um, which I love. You, you know, you're fully prepared to. All my friends message me going, God, I can't believe you're outside in this freezing cold weather today or this wet weather. But actually, if you're prepared for it, then it's absolutely fine. And it's lovely. You get to meet some lovely public, lovely children. Do you know what it reminds me of, actually? Because I have a bit of a fear of big animals, but I'm not really that frightened of children. Children don't scare me very much. But it sounds to me like a typical day in the life of a mother with lots of naughty, smelly toddlers. Would you say that it's kind of similar being at a zoo? Oh, I don't know. They can't answer back. Oh, and you do just give them their food and they either eat it or they don't. So you just don't get it. Yeah. Well, and, and I've had the pleasure of seeing Claire at work. And I can tell you the, the big difference between tiny toddlers and the animals is that the animals see that she's coming and they all run to her and they're so excited Aww. and they just stand there and you know they're just waiting for her for whatever she wants to do and kind of interact with her whereas a toddler will come up notice that you're here and then be like yeah I'm done with you and he's off you know so <laughs> yeah, you're, um, you're boring exactly Go away. <laughs> exactly so but they're as smelly as toddlers presumably yeah some of them disgusting and as messy as toddlers yes very much so. But I, yeah, I find it really weird when you're sort of cleaning out enclosures and doing things like that. It's really therapeutic and mm. nice when it all looks lovely. I mean, I know <laughs> the animals probably don't care and you don't get any thanks for it, mm. but I find it much more satisfying than having a tidy house. Wow. Don't quite know why that is. Oh, that's interesting. Because actually, I, I would say the zoo is is a very nicely kept zoo. Um, it did, look, and especially considering all of, I mean, it's their natural habitats. There's mud and muck everywhere. Um, and to be honest, I was really impressed with how you get around. So that was going to be one of my questions for you. How do you deal with all the dirt and mud and muck and animal waste and things like that? I think you do have to be a certain person. I mean, when I did go into it, I didn't think about the whole side of handling insects, live insects and things that we feed out. So locusts, crickets, mealworms. I've got my arms and hands and all of that and I didn't you don't think about any of that when you're training so when you do go into it and you're cutting up chicks cutting up fish getting rats out the freezer all of that that we feed out you know it's natural things our wildcats are not going to eat salad you know basically you know we are going to have to feed them as much of a similar diet as they do get in the wild even though it is frozen we can't feed out any live animals Mm -hmm. and that's the law in this country but we can feed out live insects so things like that you don't sort of get you you have to get used to doing it I didn't enjoy doing that if I'm honest to begin with but I love the job and it's part of the job Mm. so you have to get on with it and now I don't bat an eyelid I don't even think about it so yeah when people come into the feed room if we're cutting up a rabbit it stinks but I don't really smell it you go a bit nose blind to it all and same I suppose with all the animal waste I've always I you know I did horse ranges in Hampton Court when I was a child, you know, growing up, when I was, I suppose, 10 to 13. Um, and one week we rode, one week we mucked out. But I loved the mucking out weeks as yes. much as the riding. So I think, yeah, I think you're just that sort of person. I just enjoy doing it, really. That's really You cool. clearly just lo- have always loved animals, yeah, would you say? Yeah, wow. I think so. I think my parents have got pictures of me finding all sorts in the garden, coming in with jam jars of ladybirds and caterpillars oh, wow. and worms that I found and all sorts of disgusting things but yeah well and then you mentioned also part of your job is to um do enrichment for the animals what exactly does that mean yeah I always assume everyone (laughs) knows what I'm talking about no so um obviously in captivity animals haven't got the opportunity to forage um and do um I suppose yeah show all their natural behaviors that they would in the wild so as keepers we've got to try and keep their brains active and try and 
show people what their natural behaviours would be if they're in the wild. So rather than just giving them their food on a plate every day, which is very dull, they'll just come over and eat it. It'll take them two seconds. Whereas in the wild, they might be foraging all day to find their food, um, using up lots of energy. So we come up with um, lots of different ways of giving them their food. So we'll make things to put their food in to hide it. We'll hide it around the enclosure. We'll leave scent trails for them and um, we give them different foods every day so we yeah as keepers we have to be as creative as we can we've got lots of primates that are obviously very intelligent um but again being creative as well i mm. love that side of it mm. so we get to do yeah enriching their lives making it harder for them to find their food but also uh you you know adapting their enclosures so they're much more you know well not as naturalistic we can't make anything look like a south american rainforest we haven't got the budgets for that but with the materials that we have we mm. try and do the best we can so that they're using all their limbs in the way they should as well yes. so everything mm. sort of has to be thought about i was like can you can you give us an example of one because actually i know when i was there i got to see a couple of the enclosures you designed so maybe you could, actually could you tell us about the ones with the fire hoses because i thought that was really cool so our capuchin monkeys which are sort of medium-sized monkeys they're not huge they're new world monkeys from south america um but they've got access to three enclosures um and we've tried to make each enclosure quite different for them um so they've got like a playground side that my boss has designed for them so they've got a swing in there which they do use it is random but they do use it um and other things wooden equipment that they use um but for the middle one we tried to make um lots more uh, sort of swings and platforms and things for them but we didn't have access to rope and and wood just through budgets everything had run out so um i contacted local, local fire station they had all their old fire hose that they don't use anymore um, and i've got all these ideas from pinterest and stuff as well it's not a new idea zookeepers have done it before we were just uh, following those but yeah we've just decked out the whole enclosure with red fire hose so loads of it hanging down platforms and they love it and they use it really well you watch the way they move through it and mm. it's you know, like they sort of would if they were in the forest, the way they hold on to things. So Wonderful. Yeah, that's really cool. So, and when do you do that? Because I'm guessing you, you mentioned that your daily time, you're doing a lot of public talks and you're feeding and you're doing that kind of thing. When do you have the time to make these enclosures? How does that work? <laughs> yeah, so we try, desperately try and fit that into our day. But as we are such a lovely team, we do all get on so well. We are all really good mates. We're quite happy. We stay after work sometimes. You know, we don't get paid overtime. We get paid really badly. Mm. But we love it so much that we will stay after work for a couple of hours. We'll get pizza mm. in and we'll just sit around making this stuff for the enclosures so and I'm sure lots of other zoos do it as well you just it's so hard to fit it into your daily routine Mm. um, of what you need to do for the animals so yeah we will stay outside and do it if we have to or make things at home you know I only do do four days a week so quite often on my days off if I'm free I'll try and get the kids involved making stuff if we're making stuff for Easter or Valentine's Day we often do things for social yeah. media so I'll get the kids doing paper mache things or at Christmas wrapping presents for the animals yeah. um, oh, and things like that nice. so yeah they've helped me quite a lot as well <laughs> well and let's let's talk a little bit about that so you, I mean obviously this job sounds amazing and you you sound like you were right where you want to be um let's talk about how you got there okay so because you yeah you talked about how you were a graphic designer before and now so how what's that journey like <laughs> So yeah, so yeah, as I said, for years I did graphic design and I was very print based. I really don't enjoy doing sort of digital design and the way of the world. It was just turning that way. Um, and I was heading to 40, the horrible big 4-0. And I just thought, do I want to do this for the next 10, 15 years? Do I want to 
basically retrain to do web design um, and keep up with the way things are going or shall I do something different and I've always had this you know passion burning that I want to work with animals you know on holiday I love going to see wildlife in other countries and things like that so um, yeah after googling a lot really and speaking to other people it just sort of came about someone said to me why don't you retrain them why don't you become an animal manager and you can go on a course and do that so yeah very spontaneously really I did because in the June I was 40 and in the September I started a course at Meris Wood which is part of Guildford University doing a foundation degree for two years in animal behaviour and welfare not knowing at all what I would end up doing I didn't think at that time I would be a zookeeper I had no idea what I would be I just thought I would retrain to see if I could do something where I would work with animals I was saying this the idea for animals that did that just come out of the blue or is that is that something that's always kind of been there in the back of your mind yeah no so when I was growing up I've said obviously I loved animals always and I just I wanted to be a vet that's all I wanted to do when I was growing up watching all creatures great and small on the telly that's really showing our age now (laughs) um and I just loved it so I thought I'd be a vet all my GCSEs I took all three sciences um and those days you had to be um very good obviously all three sciences so even physics you had to be at the same level as everything else and your maths had to be very strong and I wasn't strong at those and I really struggled I found it really hard um, and then I think, I don't know what year it was, probably when I was 15, had to do work experience, so yay, going to a vets, went to a vets in Richmond, really exciting, and it was horrible, I absolutely hated it, and he oh. basically, the experience that I had there changed the route, the course of my life, basically, because oh. he w- I just, I didn't feel comfortable, it's a very small practice, um, he wasn't very nurturing. I'd never, you know, I'd never stepped foot in a vet apart from probably taking my mum's cat to the vet. You know, that was it. I'd never yeah. had anything to do with it. And I think on my probably, well, I remember it as my second or third day. I can't remember whether it was. Took me yeah. into the, you know, the surgery to see a rabbit being spayed. And I hadn't, he didn't set me up for any of this. He was just coming and watch this. Mm. And I just wasn't ready for it. Mm. And I nearly passed out. Oh my God. So he saw me going great. And he just shouted at me, told me, shouted at me to get out of his surgery, out of his operating room. You know, how could I do that? He made me feel awful. So I went home crying to my mum saying, I don't want to be a vet anymore. Um, did you even go back to no, his vet after that? I did. I don't think I did. Wow. It affected me that much. I, f- I just, I was, I felt completely lost. I didn't know. He'd literally... Shattered your yeah, dreams. literally. I yeah. had no idea what I was going to do. Yeah. So going forward, school just sort of advised me to take subjects that I enjoyed, which at the time were English literature, art... Um, and it just so happened that my art A-level that I took was worth two A-levels. Um, and you got sort of a... You could do a bit of everything. So you did a bit of illustration, a bit of photography, um, I think, a bit of design. And it was sort of the design that I quite liked. You could see from an early age I was not going to be a painter. Yeah. <laughs> no, that wasn't going to happen. I'm with you there, yeah. yeah no, that wasn't going to happen. Um, and just because it was two A-levels, just the way it worked, basically, everyone that did that... Um, a level went on and did a art foundation course so I just really followed it I didn't 
I can't say that I really loved what I was doing, but I didn't know what else to do, so I just followed that route. You know, I, I passed English literature, but I knew I didn't want to. I'm kind of heartbroken for you. Yeah, it was when when oh you talk about gosh. it again. It is. I yeah. get quite emotional about it because he. I don't think he realised. Mm. I'd love to go back and mm. see and just sort of say. I mean, it's fine. Everything works out in the end, doesn't it? And everything has its own route. So maybe it was meant to be. Yeah, but that's hard, and you know, you feel heartbroken for Claire. I just feel angry, actually. <laughs> But, you know, my husband has a lot of young people for work experience and, and I've offered a few times, but it's such a vital age, 15, 16, and, and, to, and to kind of, you really don't take, if you're listening, any listeners out there, <laughs> if you're thinking of having someone for work experience, it's a really important role. Yeah, really you know, we can either have adults in our lives who absolutely inspire us to continue on or, or, you know, unwittingly frighten us. And that really makes me quite cross. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, and actually, I, I think why I'm so heartbroken is because here you had something that you were really passionate mm. about. And then you had this awful experience of this person who, who didn't care for that passion. Mm. And then you, you ended up just kind of going mm. with it. And, and yet it was their that's, passion. That's why it's so weird. Yeah. Because they, unless they didn't like their job anymore. But you anyway, want to sort of wonder, because you, you know, I watch things now on telly, and you still see where people are being trained as doctors and surgeons. They're all passing out, aren't they? Mm. But they still <laughs> carry on. So mm. you just wonder, I wonder if he had been nicer and gone, you know, don't worry about it. Yes. These things happen. Yes. You know, do it a few times and you'll get used to it. Maybe yes. I would have still stayed there, but because of his reaction, I was like, and probably me being quite stubborn, I was like, no, I'm not doing it. No, that's it. That's and I didn't give it another chance. Such an impressionable age, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess in the end, it, you're right. It probably did work out for yeah. you because being a graphic designer allowed you to work from home and yeah, and be my with kids children, grew up. Right? Yeah, yeah, so I was here for them. You know, I worked yeah in the school hours and when they went to bed and to earn some money. But I was always here for play dates and goodness was what so yeah I did I see my saw my kids growing up and I'm really pleased that I was part of that it worked out well and I was still bringing some money which is always helpful right (laughs) well and I was gonna say so let's so so now you've you've had this awful experience you become a graphic designer and that's all going really well um I've seen your work it's beautiful and you're having success at that you've got your clients you've built your practice you turn 40 and you say okay actually I don't want to do web design I need to do something else so you find this course tell us how you like in a matter of a couple of months end up on a course because that to me like that that sounds amazing right there and then so yeah I think to it's make one of those that things happen. I think if I'd thought about it for too long then I probably wouldn't have done it I don't know I don't know I, it was a very weird moment I think I had a bit of a midlife crisis but <laughs> yeah I turned up on the course when I went for the interview my tutor was lovely he said you know we love having mature students because you bring so much and I was like what have I got to bring <laughs> you know being completely the way I am underconfident um so yeah I started this course and there was sort of five mature students which is a horrible term <laughs> in with all the 18 19 year olds that are just starting you know just starting out really doing their first degree and there were us five annoying ones basically that have paid for it because I've already done a degree so that was paid by the state so I had to fund this two years which is really expensive um yeah but I I loved it I loved the learning loved all the researching the passion that all my tutors had Mm. um it was amazing I didn't particularly like the essays and it was really hard fitting it in around family life life it was only a two-day course but you were two days at college, but those other three days were meant to be study days. I was still doing my graphic design in those days, really, to you know yeah. fund the course mm-hmm. and 
bring in some money and obviously still have my two kids and my husband. So it was a pretty intense couple of years. It was tricky. It was a lot of weekends, but I had a lot of support from my husband to do it. Um, and the kids were great. You know, at Saturday, I used to take myself away just to write my 6,000 words essays or whatever <laughs> it was, um, some headspace. But yeah, I did it and I don't regret it at all because it's got to me where I am. And I learned a lot in the process and it did. It really built my confidence because I think as well, I think mums will probably find, you know, if you're not going out to work, I was working from home, it's very insular, you get quite lonely if you're not yeah. seeing and talking to people. Um, and you feel, I don't, not worthless, that's mm. really over the top, but you mm. don't feel, you just feel like a mum, you don't mm. feel like you've got your own real identity. So going back to college and then telling me all the transferable skills mm. that I've got, mm. you know, communicating and everything else that these 18, 19-year-olds don't have that I hadn't even thought about, mm. you do think, okay, yes, I can do this. And they were brilliant. Yeah, I had lots of breakdowns on the way. Going, <laughs> I can't do this. What am I doing? It's too hard. But, yeah, no, I did it. <laughs> well, I was going to say, what, what was the hardest part about being mum slash graphic designer slash student? Oh, God, just fitting it all in. Mm. It's just crazy and... Just you know, logistics. Yeah, and, and yeah. just thinking of what to have for dinner. You know what it's mm. like normally, just thinking at night what to have for dinner and worrying about the kids are getting the right nutrients and, mm. you know, that they're getting their homework done. You're still trying to fit all that in and making them feel like, you know, you haven't just pushed them aside. You're still yeah. you're still their mum, you're still there for them. Mm. Um, so it was, it was really tricky. But yeah, like I said, it was really good. And I think it was good for them to see as well mm. that actually... You know, your career that you go into isn't everything. You don't have to do it forever. You can retrain at any age. And I think as well, looking back, when I decided not to be a vet, there wasn't... I don't remember there being as much choice as there is now that you can go and train to be. Maybe there was. Maybe I just wasn't exposed to it. I don't know. Um, but now there's so much for kids, and I think it's quite overwhelming mm. for them. So actually, if they make the wrong decision, they go into something and they don't love it. They love it for a couple of years. Well, never mind. You've mm. learned something from that experience. Mm. Go on and do something else. So hopefully for my kids, it will... That's, that's how them. your story inspires yeah. me. Oh my... Like that's... You know, it's that not every decision is final yeah. about careers. Mm. You know, there is that opportunity if you're willing to put in the work. And I think like our parents, like, you know, like my dad worked for the same company for... 30, 40 years, it just doesn't seem to happen now as well. There was that loyalty with the companies and that's what you did. You had your career and you worked your way up and you stayed in that company. Whereas mm. now it's much more fluid mm. and you really can just... And you change as you get older, don't you? You like different things and I don't yeah. know, you see the world in a different way and think, actually, yeah, mm. give it a go. But you've got to be yeah brave enough, I suppose, to go and do it. It's, that, it's, it's an yes. absolute gift, isn't it? If you, if you are lucky enough to go to work in an area that you're passionate about and you come away with whatever that small amount of pay is and invariably often passionate careers they're not going to be big life-changing careers yeah, financially no. but what a joy to go to work and that's inspiring for your children to be around yeah I, I know I'm very lucky as well my husband obviously has got a very good job he's the main breadwinner so you know if we were in a different situation maybe I wouldn't have been able to do that so mm. Um, it does take that into consideration but then I do think if I loved it that much we would have had to give up you know mm. lots of things living in North Kingston and mm. the ridiculous lifestyles that we have really if you look at it and yeah. just you know downsize gone somewhere smaller so that you're happy I mean wow. you only get one life don't you so yeah 
Well, and that's so true. And I think actually, so on that vein too, you've got, so you go to school, you're, you're starting to become an animal manager and talk about choices. You had loads of choices in that as well, didn't you? Yeah. So on so, the course, a bit like my foundation course when I was doing my design. So you could obviously, you could do fine art, illustration, photography, graphic design. You sort of specialize as you go. And that's how I got into graphic design. Um, I liked doing that and went that way. But with animal management, you had to specialize in the second year, whether you wanted to do domestic animals or zoo animals. Um, so yeah, cats, dogs, did you want to go and work in a, I don't know, dog groomers, dog walking, work for Batsy Dogs Home. I mean, there's so many things you can do on the domestic side, you know, um, have a farm or you want to go on the exotic side and do more zoo work or things like that. So, um, yeah, I just, I, when we were doing the studies, I was just much more interested in the animal behavior of zoo animals, I suppose, or conservation things that zoos do for conservation, things like that. So I followed that route again. Yeah. Not knowing because yeah, I, I quite fancied at one point you could go and train dogs to sniff out drugs. I thought that was really cool or work in like a Heathrow quarantine or something and see all the animals coming in that were being confiscated. Although yeah, really sad that, you know, it's ridiculous. You could work with animals training for films. You could train them up to star in movies. So, I mean, it was ridiculous the amount of things you could do. So, um, yeah. And you know, I still could sort of go into those things at a later stage, uh, training animals and things. So there's lots of things you can do. It's just opening your eyes to it really. What's so, uh, well, and I think being aware of opportunities kind of gets to how you ended up at the Battersea Children's Zoo. Yes. Yeah. Could you tell us that? Tell yeah. us how you ended up at, at this children's zoo. So as part of the that's... course, you have to do a certain amount of hours of work experience, which is terrifying because you just think, oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, but uh, yeah, there's not many zoos really around the area. It's really hard to get into London Zoo. Um, so, but I managed to get into Chessington. So I did two weeks there working on the hoofstock section, which was great working with the Wh- rhinos. Which section? Sorry. Hoofstock. So hoofstock. That's, um, okay, that's a new word for me. <laughs> so what does that mean? So it's all their African section. So it was their rhinos, their zebra, the antelope, ostrich. It was really, really cool. I absolutely loved it. The giraffe. I came home stinking more than I've ever done. Um, Loved it, you know, great people. There was a great team there and learned a lot. Um, wasn't quite so, it didn't sit so well, the whole Merlin brand. It's very jazz hands. It's obviously got the theme park there as well. Um, I, I understand completely that makes their the money. The entertainment yeah, side, yeah. That makes their money for the zoo. Um, and I get that. There's lots of places that do, obviously, Disney um, and stuff do it. I think they do it very well. They're not that I've been. Um, but yeah, it's all quite consuming and I feel like it's encroaching quite a lot of the animals and it just didn't really sit very well with me and also it's a big company it's yeah it's quite jazz hands quite young I didn't feel like I really fitted in there and felt at home um so anyway I did another two weeks at a wildlife hospital which was crazy that was a leatherhead um (laughs) which again that was you know it was lovely it was working with a lot of native species so you'd get you know you'd be looking after hedgehogs that have been you know, uh, I don't know, they had their babies too early and they were going to die because it was now going to get too cold. Oh, so you were looking you. after those or they'd been hit by a lawnmower or we'd get... <gasps> no! Oh yeah, all sorts of horrible things. Oh my gosh! But you'd also oh. get things like foxes, badgers being brought in, grey uh-huh. squirrels, um, loads of pigeons, which I found was hideous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are vermin. Um, yeah, yeah, people rescuing, saving those, trying to 
feed a pigeon to keep it alive. I mean, that was just a bit too far. And <laughs> because it's volunteers as, run, as well, it's run by a lot of older people, can I say, that have done it for quite a long awesome. time. And it's their way or the highway. They're not up for any change. Or, oh, gotcha. Yeah. So it's really difficult going in, learning all this stuff that we're learning at college and all mm. new research and things. And not that I was going in telling them how they should do things, but you're just sort of... You know, saying, "Oh, you know, have you heard about this?" No, they shut you straight down. So not being—it's oh, one thing to to be doing things your way; it's another thing to be not open yeah. to anything else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I just—I found yeah. it quite hard, and it wasn't something that I felt like I wanted to go into. And then, yeah, I turned up at Battersea Park Children's Zoo um, and did a couple of weeks there, and yeah, I loved it. It's a small; it's family-owned. Um, it's just got a really nice feel to it. They do lots of education with the kids, which I really enjoy. Um, so we have school groups that come round, and you know, it's just their fa- it's really basic things, just their faces. I mean, we're in Battersea, so we get quite a range of kids from very rich children that have probably yeah. got all sorts in their back garden that I don't want to know about yeah. to children that will tug at my trousers and ask me what that is in a field and it's a donkey yeah. and they've oh. got and they've never seen a donkey and it breaks your heart when you think it's the you know it's the first animal you read about in the bible mm. you know oh, yeah. you know that you know you just really like it's about the deprivation that's around that kids aren't getting read stories by their parents mm. or they're missing out on it and it was just it's just really tough oh. and you know just the little joy you know we get a rabbit out and they can stroke a rabbit then oh, you the know. rabbits were gorgeous and they're so scared <laughs> yeah. about stroking something like you course, probably would be probably, <laughs> yes <laughs> but of course there's so many of these little handheld Nintendo games about yeah. grooming animals and the closest that a child might get to actually grooming animals is, a bit is stroking some screen. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely bonkers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, just the joy on their faces oh. that they get and that you just think if you've, I don't know, and just looking after something yes. that's live and being responsible for something, it mm. just, I don't know, it just really breaks me when I see them and I just feel so sorry for them because you just I just get so much joy from animals and I know there's lots of people that won't they get joy from other things but mm. um yeah I just found it really sad so I I love that side of it so yeah we get all the school groups in and mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah and then and so so you did your work experience there and then did you did you start on straight away or did I was you... really lucky I managed to get a I volunteered for a bit so it just seems the way it goes if you want to get into zoos there's so much competition um you have oh, to wow. volunteer your life away <laughs> um so yeah volunteered probably I don't know three months probably I used to go in every Saturday um oh, wow. and work for them for free Um, (laughs) but yeah it's quite hard when you're you know you're not doing family time at Mm. the weekend you're Mm. choosing to do this but I knew it was the only way to do it but yeah I did manage to get a a seasonal position so I worked from March to October over their busy period just helping out as a keeper though then and getting paid for it hurrah Um, and then it just went from there really they kept me on so I think someone had left at the same time that I was about to finish my probation so they were lovely and kept me on part-time, which is all I wanted to do. I didn't want to go in and do a full-time job because you're not rotated Monday to Friday. You have to work 
we work every day of the year. Mm. Even oh. though we're not open Christmas Day and Boxing Day, we still have to go in. Someone has to go in and feed the animals. Right, yeah. Um, so I worked Christmas Day this year. I did nine till two, which was lovely, actually. Mm. Everyone oh. was, you know, lots of people. I know loads of people do, and health services, there's loads of people that work Christmas Day. Mm. Um, but having never done it, that was quite a big shift for the family to go, yes. actually, yes. I'm working Christmas Day. Yes. Yeah. Um, so my husband cooked Christmas dinner, and I think he quite enjoyed it. Yeah. So actually, you know, oh, no. yeah, it's it quite good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, did that, and yeah, so yeah, working part time now, which is yeah, great. Just three and, days a week. And you're now the animal manager, is that correct? I am yes. ridiculous. <laughs> you know, just through a series of events that have happened, really. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's okay. hard. I mean, I enjoy. Okay. I really enjoy being an animal keeper. It's very different being an animal manager. It has its ups and downs now, but you know, I generally, I still love it every day that I go in. Yeah, it's great. Well, you look really happy when when I was there to see you. So, so let's can we can we take a step back then um, and talk about a little bit more about your school stuff because. Um, you talked about, and, and as a 40-something myself, I think the idea of going back to school with a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-olds, that sounds just as scary as changing my complete career. So can you talk a little bit about what it was like to be a student, you know, a, a mature student with all of these 19, 20-year-olds, and how, like, did you get along? Did you, you know, like, how does that even work? I think I'd be, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was tough and it was terrifying. Um... <laughs> And yeah, we did, you know, obviously in school you would get along with some groups and there's others that you wouldn't. I sort of, I got along with the, mainly the mature students, you know, all from completely different backgrounds, but we had all these reasons that we were retraining, which was quite interesting. And yeah, I suppose there was a few of the 19, 20 year olds that we got along with. Some, you know, the ones that just weren't bothered, they were just doing it because they had to. Um, yeah, you don't yeah. really get along with those. But I think I found it hard, and that's due to my self-confidence, because they sort of look to you sometimes for, mm. not advice, but the way to do things. Because I, I did get quite hard grades, but I did put a lot of work in. Yeah. Um, but then it came down to things like when we had to do public speaking and things like that. Oh, my God, I absolutely oh. died. I hated it. I mean, I used to do presentations when I did my graphic design but that was to two or three people around a table which I'm quite comfortable with it wasn't standing up in front of a class full of people it's terrifying I just absolutely hated it so I do really lovely powerpoint displays <laughs> that were going on behind me but I was shaking I'd have my head down Aww. reading from bits of paper oh my god Aww. absolutely hated that side and my tutor used to laugh at me because he Aww. knew what I'd be like and I just I couldn't get over myself I just I can't, I'm just not that type of person but then saying that I suppose it goes back to not really wanting or thinking about cutting up chicks and doing that for the animals and stuff you get used to it now I stand up in front of 50 60 people when we do our talks and well that's what I say now you're doing it every day yeah. and do you still feel feel that fear and that sometimes I think when the season starts in summer when we get busy I think when you first walk in and you see those 50 60 faces in front of you you're like oh my god yes um, <laughs> okay. but yeah. actually I think because you're talking about something that you love and I know my stuff mm. um you know, I know obviously about the animals and the characters, and you know roughly what the people, are, the visitors are going to ask you, and you mm. can answer them. I think it's fine. Mm. Uh, you feel more comfortable. You're not really going to get put on the spot and ask something that you don't know. So, 
um, and genuinely everyone's there because they want to learn exactly. and they want to know stuff so um, yeah so it's fine it's now classmates so, who are just listening to you say the same things they yeah, were saying right it, yeah, yeah it's just how all those faces Leah. Yeah. oh god it was hideous um, <laughs> so yeah how I managed to get through that I don't know but yeah it was yeah it was fine um, I was saying did you find it were there any challenges especially because you had gone through university as a younger person and now you're going through it did you find the experiences drastically different similar or like what what was the same what was different I suppose well technology god when I was doing oh, my graphic true. design degree we had to queue up for a week to get on a computer <gasps> I remember that yes yeah, same line same. up to get your like two hour slot on a computer exactly and go to the library and then your book was out and you'd have to wait for it to come back in I mean god it's ridiculous now you've got everything at your fingertips so research is it was so much easier to get hold of stuff, even though I still bought lots of books because I do love books. Yes. Um, going back to print and everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, in that terms, I, yeah, in that respect, it's so much easier for research and for kids now. There's so much information. Um, but yeah, I suppose everything else was the same, really. I suppose apart from social life, I suppose going yeah. through it first time you're going out to the student bars and everything else I wasn't doing that this time because I was coming home to cook dinner for the kids mm-hmm. so yeah there wasn't the social aspect this side but yeah pretty much everything else was the same I I suppose I don't know I suppose I was more intent on learning this time but maybe that was because it was something new and you realize how important it is maybe second time round, and you don't want to miss a thing and because I was paying for it I just wanted to suck up everything like all of those motiva- all those good motivators yeah. were in line for you this time yeah and first time round, you take it all for granted really all these amazing teachers and professionals you've got teaching you and you're a bit blasé about it really which is sad but again I suppose that comes with experience yeah. Nah, I don't think so. Well, I think this has been fascinating. I, yeah, I, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. And, um, and yeah, I guess now I feel all motivated. Like, what do I want to learn about next? Maybe our listeners will be too. And do you have any last advice for someone who's thinking about retraining or trying something new? I think it's what Gutsy Voice is about, really, isn't it? Just going with your gut if you've got that feeling. And then I just think you've got to give it a go because what is the worst that's going to happen? You might not, you know, it might not be for you, but does it matter? At least you know that you've given it a go, really. If I had my time again, I, I don't think I'd change anything. Um, I think it all works out the way it should. But, yeah, all those little niggles that you've got, I think just give it a go. That's great advice. Thank you. Well, that was another really fun interview. And I have to say, I really enjoyed being with Claire and chatting with her, both at her house and at the zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, she was fantastic, actually, to to see her passion come through about zookeeping and animals and to see it in action was really cool. And I, every time I see her, I get inspired by her, by her, this idea of, I didn't like what I was doing, so now I'm going to do something I really love and yes. I'll figure it out. Yes. So... And for me, there was a lot of resonance around actually that whole natural world and watching somebody in their natural environment and feeding them and creating playful situations where they have to forage for their food. It's almost a lesson in parenting, isn't it? And and just caring, actually. It reminds me of any kind of teacher, carer who creates situations to help this other living being. Mm. And, And you can see Claire... She thrives in that environment. She does. Um, and she even does that with her own children. Yes. You can see, because every time we've talked to her about, and her, 
this idea of making sure her own children are taken care of and her own family is taken care of too. Yes. She really is a carer. Um, so yeah, so I really like that. And actually, I think this idea of just go out and do it yes. is, you know, it's a, it's a good lesson for all of us that it's okay to try. You know, it's okay to try and fail. So what music are you thinking <gasps> for this? Because actually, I, I didn't have anything. I Sometimes, had loads. Did you? Oh, oh good. Let's hear. What did you got? Loads. So I think it would have to be Talk to the Animals, which was the original theme music for the original Dr. Doolittle film back in the 50s. Yeah, and then the other song that comes to mind is Katy Perry, Roar. And then a little piece of music that has been rattling around my brain while Claire speaks is the theme music to a really wonderful programme when I was growing up called Animal Magic. And if any of our listeners are about my age and were watching television in the 70s, they will remember this little tune. And whenever I think of it, I'm actually going to hum it Ooh, for our do. listeners. Yay. Because you might not find it on, okay. uh, on, any, on any music platforms. It really fills me with a great sense of excitement and joy because... For me, it sounds like a little animal skipping around really playfully, and it went like this: <laughs> and then it kind of ended with this little whistle that went whoop. And I just used to imagine all the animals swinging around and and having this like animal party. So there we are. Oh, That's the music. And then it's kind of Claire. I love that. It's because it, if you go and see her at Battersea Children's Zoo, Battersea Park Children's Zoo, it, it really is like this little animal party everywhere. It's fantastic. Yeah, amazing. Um, but actually, there was one last thing I wanted to talk about that Claire's kind of made me think of, and that was this idea of what is it to be gutsy? Because for you, the fact that Claire goes to a zoo and works every day every day with animals mm. is gutsy. Whereas for me, that idea of having this comfortable life and then changing it all to follow your passion, to me, that's gutsy. So I think it would be really fun if our listeners maybe let us know some of what they think is gutsy. Because maybe, maybe what's resonating with what's gutsy to them is different. So I'd like to hear some of that. I would too. All right. Well, that's it from us for this week. Thanks again to Willborn for um, producing our podcast. And thank you to Mary for, for hosting with me. And we look forward to seeing you back here soon. Raise your voice the tide.